Welcome to Tilted, a lean-in podcast. Each week, we explore the uneven playing field, the gender bias that lurks in unexpected places, the impact it has on our everyday lives, and what happens when women lean in and start driving change. I'm your host, Rachel Thomas, co-founder and president of Lean In. Today, I'm so excited. I'm coming to you from Lean In's annual leaders conference. And for those of you who don't know what it is, and that's probably most of you, it's a gathering of our top community leaders from around the world. We call them Lean In leaders, and they run small networking groups called circles. A lot of people also don't realize how big and global our community is. We have members in over 160 countries, from Canada to France, and from Brazil to India. Every time I talk to women who run circles, I am struck by two things. How different the challenges women face are around the world, but also how similar the fundamentals are. No matter where we live in the world, women experience gender bias. And no matter where we live, we benefit from the support of other women. So I'm excited. I had the chance to sit down with three of our inspiring leaders to talk about their experiences. Akuska Sanz from Barcelona, Alexa Krissa from Atlanta, Georgia, and Uma Thana, who grew up in Malaysia, lives in Singapore, and runs Women in Tech Asia. What does being a feminist mean to you? It means a lot. Um, you know, at, at home, we never really had, like, very candid discussions. It was just my parents shared roles and responsibilities. Um, and so, you know, the idea of gender roles has always been very fluid. My brother is actually transgender. So feminism is the female lens and view into equality. Uma, you're nodding a lot. What does it mean to you? So I grew up with... Um you know, my mother bring the breadwinner to the family uh, because the year that I was born, my father had a heart attack, survived. He was a mechanic and my mother was a nurse. And she said, you know, you're not going back to work anymore because I'm really worried. So she raised two kids on, at that time, what would have been a salary of 500 US dollars a month. And so I watched her raise kids, go to work, and she expected my father to learn how to cook, get the kids to school, do the gardening, etc., much to the dismay of my father's mother, because that's not what she expected him to do. Um, and so for me, quite simply, you know, the ability to make the choices that you want to make for yourself um, and living it with authenticity. Kuska, what does it mean for you? So for me, it means just basic equality, and I think it means freedom, I live on my own. I can go to the movies. I can walk home at 4 a.m., no issues. I feel free, you know, And but I've traveled a lot. I've lived in other countries, and I think it's not something I think. Like, that's not the case, you know. that That's just something that we take for granted, uh, certainly in Spain and in many European countries, and it's not the case. So I think feminism, ultimately, it's about freedom, individual and collective freedom. Yeah. It's an important moment for women in Spain right now. Can you tell us about that a little bit and how that's impacting kind of you as a woman in Spain and, and your circle yeah. and your community there? Yeah, it is. Um, it really feels like we're having our Me Too kind of moment or movement or year. There was this very high-profile rape case with five perpetrators, men rapists, and one victim. And because of the violence of the case and the how the media portrayed everything and the fact that they're free <laughs> waiting for trial, 
uh, living their lives. It just rocked the country to its core. So there's like before and after of this event. And so um, Women's International Day on March 8th, uh, for the first time ever, there was a feminist strike. So there was a nationwide walkout and hundreds of thousands of women joined. And this is the first time in history, and I've never seen anything like that. So they were marching, they were demonstrating, they were telling their male colleagues, we're not going to work, or I'm going to work, and then I'm going to go to the march, and I'm not going back. So it's been a shift. Now we have a majority feminine cabinet, for example. So things are shifting, and I think we're living in a very, very interesting moment. So Alexa, obviously a very different part of the world um, than Barcelona and Spain, but you're running your community in Atlanta, and it must be really interesting. You know, on one hand, Atlanta is one of the world's great cities. It's huge. It's modern. It attracts people from all over the world. And on the other hand, there's kind of this old school notion of Southern womanhood. Mm -hmm. And that goes back many generations. And I know it still persists to some degree. So what is that like? And you know, how do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's very interesting at home right now. Um, and I think what we see is a lot of women who are nearly needing to like apologize or qualify like hey I think I think I'm ready to like take off my pearls and and you know elevate myself and be okay with being a champion for myself um, I think that the idea of making yourself small is something that um, is really really hard to change in the south especially where you know we have the um, well, I forgot the name of the golf course, but where they have the masters, right? Women weren't allowed. Oh, to. Uh, Augusta. Yeah, yeah, in Augusta. <laughs> yeah, yep. like women aren't allowed to be members. It's very bizarre because then you go back into Atlanta, where we all live, and Sarah Blakely is the CEO of Spanx, and so you know, you you turn one corner, and there's progress, and there's these you know beautiful visions of of what society could be like, and then you turn another one and there's some ugly hatred. There's racial divisiveness. But I think we're definitely seeing a shift. Cool. Uma, I see you nodding a lot, and mm -hmm. you run circles all across Asia. So this is mm -hmm. like different countries, different cultures. This is complicated. So what is it like supporting women across so many different cultures and belief systems? And Yeah, so firstly, we're at a very initial stage of doing that. Um, so the network's called Women in Tech Asia. Um, and there's three circle right now. And it's mainly focused in Singapore because that's where I live. Sure. And there's about 900 members there. But uh, I'm also a vice president in a global tech company that takes care of 15 different markets. So I do get to interact uh, with men and women in these economies. So it's very diverse, I would say. Firstly, let me just say, for all of those economies, we are making progress, and that's good news. But, you know, Japan is very traditional. It is about the 100-year calendar on the wall when you're doing business, um, so very traditional in thinking. But they have made some progress. Now, generally, women were expected to quit after marriage uh, simply because access to childcare um, and support for childcare outside of your home 
uh, was not very popular. But today, if I travel to Japan for business, I do see very young kids coming out of daycare centers. Uh, so there's more of those coming up, which means that mothers get to go back to work earlier. In Indonesia, there's a lot of successful women who are executives. Um, and then for them, maybe not the major, but one of the most um, common one uh, things to think about is how do they walk the tightrope? So being aggressive and making bold decisions for their businesses, yet being feminine and being motherly-like, um, if you will. In India, a lot of women work. I'm Sri Lankan. And um, they're expected to have equal effort. But then you also see... The State Bank of India, one of the largest banks in India, did this brilliant commercial about how women should save. And she does have a say. So there is no one-size-fits-all right, for Asia. Yeah. But getting real for a second, there's a lot of really good guys out there. But there's some pretty cruddy guys out there, too. Talk to me. Mm. A, and you're all smiling. You, I mean, we all know. Um, talk to me a little bit about, like, when have you experienced sexism and you know or kind of what is the ugly side of this that you've been seeing and what are you doing about it and are you talking about it in your circles is it coming up a lot mm. yeah so I work in tech so that probably is more prevalent given the dominance of men especially at leadership level there was one year where I was at a very large global conference and uh, we were sitting down and having dinner there was about 12 of us and I was the only woman and uh, there was a reporter that wanted to take a photo of all of us. So we took a photo. And then um, I've only told this, this story once on stage. Someone grabbed my ass. Um, and I couldn't <sighs> figure out who it was. And I was so stunned, um, despite all of my intelligence and awareness and everything. So I sat down at my chair and I did the process of elimination of who could have possibly been, and then I figured out who it was. And I, went, I was in such a state of shock, I actually didn't talk about it for a year. You know, that's the story that I can think of right now. I'm sure yeah. these ladies have, have other stories. I have a very similar story. Yeah. I was living abroad. Uh, I wasn't living in Spain at the time. I was at the general manager's office. It was a big corporation. And there was a, the whole C-suit there. We were doing some um, human HR uh, meeting and I have a tattoo on my shoulder and the general director like the vice president came and touched my shoulder in front of everybody like with a she's caressing her shoulder yeah. for those of you who can't see her well nice tattoo yeah and I sat there like you can't touch me like you're not my friend you can't touch me and then I was so angry at myself because I didn't say anything but what could I have said, like, you know, yeah. in front of everybody, like, don't touch me, please. You know, yeah. it would have sounded so harsh. And it was yeah. in another country where it's way more conservative. And I have no problem in saying that, but You'd I be didn't the know angry what blonde woman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. angry foreigner. Yeah. And I didn't know what to say, yeah. but I felt Sorry. so bad afterwards. And in your case is worse, but, you know, it's my shoulder. You don't get to touch it. And when we talk about it at Lean in Barcelona, it's way more about microaggressions. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we talk a lot about and we're actually uh, doing a workshop on microaggressions this fall because it's been uh, one of the requests from our attendees. 
How about for you, Alexa? I was in one of my first like big girl job interviews and had no idea. Kind of the rose colored glasses, right? Like, oh, here I am. I'm going to work. <laughs> and I'm in um, a second round interview with a company. And the guy like sits back in his chair and he's like, so I know how 23-year-old girls are. How can you convince me that you're not about to get engaged? You're not about to go run off to New York? Like, right. how can you convince me that you're going to stay? And I... I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know what's normal. I don't yeah. know what's not normal. And, um, you know, I left still wanting that job. And I'm very fortunate. I was interning at the time um, in a magazine, at a pregnancy, a newborn magazine, actually. So I went back to this office of strong women, and I was like, this didn't feel right. And they were like, it's because it's not right. And, I, you know, I, I keep that one in my back pocket to remind myself, like— you know, these things happen, but we grow. Yeah, it's so interesting, though. Like, it's, we have to release ourselves of this, right? Because yeah. I'm thinking of, you know, we all have our own stories. And what I'm struck by is it is disorienting, but we're kind of blaming ourselves. Yes. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it's not us, it's them. Like, yeah. so it is really interesting that we still do that. I'm curious, and I'm just putting you on the spot, yeah, so you sure. might not know, but if you were going to go back to your younger self, your 23-year-old self now, knowing what you know, both because of your own life experiences and some of the research that we now know about women's experiences, like, what would you do differently? What would you say to yourself? God, I mean, I would say, like, you don't, you don't need this. You don't want this. Like, you deserve to be spoken to as an equal. I think you said the right uh, words. Like, you are an equal. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the power of circles come in. Right. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I think it's the generation coming up behind us now, the millennials. I mean, if we look at our volunteer group for Lean In, it's just over 200. And I'd say more than 50% of them are millennials. And they're forming circles, et cetera. So I think it's very inspiring because they now want to get more educated. So if you're saying, you know, go back to your 23-year-old selves, we are seeing 23-year-olds now wanting to be educated. They want to know more. They want to know what to do. They want to learn how to negotiate, sit at the table. Um, So we come with scars, and I think that's the power that we bring to bring the women behind us a little bit faster forward. One phrase I heard, which was the power of circles, Mm -hmm. which was amazing. And, you know, I think we all kind of, we get that sitting at the table. But so that's one piece. And then the other thing that's really clear is that all the cultures are different. You know, Atlanta is so different from Barcelona, which is so different from Singapore, and yeah. of course, Asia more broadly. These are complicated issues, and they're a little different, you know, no matter where you are in the world. But talk to me like, really specifically, like, why do circles work? Like, what happens in your circles? Like, how is it helping you address, like, what's uniquely happening in your um, area? And I know that's a big question, so just kind of take a, take a bat at it, but yeah. I'm curious what you think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So we've grown from 21 circles to now 84 in the last year or so. Which is just Um, amazing. Yeah, thank you. And that's because Helen and I felt really strongly 
that that was going to be the most powerful thing that we could do to make an impact uh, for women. So I think if you talk to the women in the circles in Singapore, number one, they say, you know, yes, such a simple concept. Why didn't we think of this before? Because when we say circles, I mean, it's really important to explain this isn't a circle of friends. This is the way that we do it in Singapore is, is, is to the three C's, the commitment, the communication, the confidentiality. And it is about coming together. You commit. Um, so my own circle, you know, we say we're going to be married to each other for a year and then we're going to, right, renew our vows that we're going to stay committed, right? As long as we're all in town, we're going to meet once a month. Um, and I think the power is when they all come together and talk openly about the challenges in the workplace, number one, they feel, oh my God, I'm not alone. Yes. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all um, nodding vigorously. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the second is that peer-to-peer support works in both ways. One, to validate, okay, should I, you know, I want to be CEO someday. And if I went out and my friends, my, my normal friends would say, yeah, of course, you know, if they don't select you, it's it's them, it's not you. Whereas my circle would say, okay, what have you done to plan to be CEO? What steps are you taking? You said you were going to do that. Did you do it? Um, so that's the commitment and skills building part of the circle that I think makes um, a huge difference. The third is the power of stories, um, I think, that, you know, we, we talk openly and I you know, I was, I was at Standard Charter Bank and International Women's Day, and I told the story of my first two lean-in moments, which is, um, you know, I left university, which I put myself through. My parents couldn't afford to do it. Um, and I was sleeping on single mattresses on the floor with three other girls, and one of them had a sister that worked for IBM that knew about this IBM distributor that was going to hire a fresh graduate systems engineer role. And so that was my first lesson, the power of networks. That's how I got the interview. But then when I got there, he offered me the job on the spot, and I was so desperate to sleep on my own bed that I said he needed to pay me 400 ringgit, that's Malaysian ringgit, more. And, you know, he was so surprised. It's like this fresh graduate, Asian colored woman just is negotiating. I had no strategy whatsoever. I just want to sleep in my own bed. And very recently, a woman that was sitting at that event on International Women's Day at Standard Charter Bank came up to me and she said, I heard your story about sleeping on your own bed. I rocked up to my manager last week and I said, I want this promotion and here's why. And he gave it to her. They're now moving her to London, one band higher, and she's going to start leaning in in London for Standard Chartered Bank. That's amazing. I think that's amazing because, and that has happened in our circle as well, it's just, you just have to ask. Yep. Ask for it. Like, you have, if you don't ask for it, the no is there. I love what you think. So one is... uh, this is the biggest story we hear over and over again, you know, at Leaning Headquarters, which really kind of inspires us, keeps us going. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear it's been your experience as well. But this just idea that, you know, one woman talks to her circle about something she wants to do mm. or, you know, that she feels like she's underpaid or whatever mm. it is. And the circle, you know, says, go get it. Mm. Um, and not only just go get it, sometimes we'll practice negotiating yes. with her or kind of help her figure out how to go out and do it. And then she comes back and she's been successful. And then so the second woman goes, <laughs> I, I right. can go do it too. And then the yeah. third woman, and it's this idea we talked about earlier, like yeah. just this compounding effect, because this is the number one story that we hear where you know you're driving real change. And one of the things that's really interesting 
is we conduct the Women in the Workplace study every year, which you guys all know about it because yeah. we talk about it all the time. But for those of you listening, it's the largest study on the state of um, women in the workplace in the United States. And we're slowly going to start going global, which we're really excited about. But we're seeing that women are now negotiating at the same rates as men. You know, they're asking for raises. They're asking for promotions. And 10 years ago, that was far from true. Men asked for more, and so they got more. And so I just love hearing this because I really think the takeaway is, and leading circles are playing a little role in this. You know, there's lots going on in the world yeah. why women are speaking up more and standing up more for themselves. But for me, the takeaway is women are doing our part. So like, now what? What else is? What is everybody else going to do? Like for us? But yeah. so anyway, that, that story just always like yeah. lights me up because I think it's such a big part of the change that we're all trying to drive in yeah. the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Huge thanks to Akuska, Alexa, and Uma. Your stories are so powerful. They paint a very clear picture that women still face too many barriers. But they also show how women are supporting each other and charging ahead. And that's really exciting. Thank you for your leadership. And thank you for being such badass women. We will be right back after a message from our sponsor. And then we'll hear how Circles are helping women in El Salvador. Welcome back. Now we're going to hear from Naomi Hernandez. Naomi is another one of our amazing leaders. She's in El Salvador, and she's going to tell you in her own words how she's using circles to lift up women in the poorest corners of her country. My name is Naomi Hernandez, and I am the Director of Operations for Vayamos Adelante en Comunidad en El Salvador y en Guatemala. El Salvador is going through a very difficult period right now. We have high rates of violence. It's actually, it has been uh, named the murder capital of the world in 2015. We also have the highest rate of violence against women in Latin America. We know that we have to fight exactly um, that perception that this violence is normal and we have to start at the core, we have to start in families and when children, you know, are being raised with this perception and this contextual violence that they see all around them, especially in the communities that we visit. Um, we know that that's exactly where, where change can start and should start. So we tropicalized the idea and went to do and try out a linen circle in an open park. And the idea was to use cinema and entertainment to help communities restore hope and restore the capacity to dream. In El Salvador, there is a lot of hopelessness right now, and we saw this as a vehicle um, to bring safe, healthy family entertainment to these communities that have that have never probably been able to to actually go to a, a movie theater. And so we bring the movie to them and we install a huge inflatable screen in an open area. It can be a park or a public plaza. And so we create a festival for them. So the entire community is welcome. We go to schools, we go to um public areas, we go to cultural houses, and we invite the entire community. Women are the heart of these communities that we were visiting. They are 
essential not only for um, raising their families, which they are they are doing, and they are you know a lot of the times they are the single breadwinners, but then they are also essentials for restoring peace in the families and in the community as a whole in the neighborhood. So with the women that we work with, we realized that we had to get to the very basics. Um, we have to first help them to see value in themselves. It's like actually developing their self-esteem from zero. Sometimes we have had women that start crying in the moment because they say, I cannot say these words. I have never been told that I am valuable, so I don't believe it. I, If I say it out loud, it feels weird. And so it's starting out there at that moment and actually looking at their eyes and really believing for themselves when they cannot believe for themselves that they are valuable. At the beginning, I thought, I, I was doubtful and I thought, I don't know if they are going to actually open up with people that they have never talked and uh, that they have never met and it's in an open area and it, I imagine they have, they're going to feel concerned about the privacy. But there is so much thirst for these spaces because these women, you know, they, they became mothers, a lot of them very early, like in the teenage years, and they had to stop school and they, a lot of them don't, don't have a partner to share the load with. And so a lot of the times they think that they are alone, but in fact, there are many cases that are similar within their neighborhoods. And so what we are creating is this um, safe support system among them. And, you know, it's themselves that they actually um, start leading the circles afterwards. Our hope with all this that we are doing is that by lifting up these women and building up their confidence, it will create a ripple effect that in turn will lift up the entire community. We covered a lot of ground today, and wow, are these leaders amazing. I hope today's episode left you feeling inspired by what's possible when women come together and push for change in our lives, our workplaces, and our communities. If you're interested in learning more about Circles, I hope you are, please text Lean In to 555-888 or visit us online at leanin.org slash circles. And to see some photos from today's episode, Especially Naomi's souped-up truck in El Salvador, check out my Twitter feed at Rachel S. Thomas. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Jordan Bell and Cheryl Morris. Special thanks to Katie Miserani, Ali Borer, Megan Rooney, and Sarah Maisel from the Lean In team, and Laura Mayer at Stitcher. Our engineer is Ryan Roberts, and our music was composed by Casey Holford. This has been Tilted. I'm your host, Rachel Thomas. <laughs>